Hello, my friends. I want to do a quick little podcast today about listening to other people, understanding other people, how to listen beyond what someone is saying. I am going to give away a little coaching secret here. Now, a lot of us coaches, we have paid a lot of money and spent a lot of time practicing and honing our coaching skills to become certified coaches. And we have learned some secrets along the way. I am going to share one that I was just recently reminded of from another coach on a great coaching call that I was on. Now, many of you may know this. It may seem obvious even, but I think most of us forget about it or don't use this trick. Let me tell you what it is, and then I will explain how you would use it to really hear someone and understand what they are saying by listening to what they are not saying. It is simply reading between the lines, so to speak, or listening to what is in the blank spaces between what is said. Now, there is really a skill to being able to do this well, and I am going to break it down for you and give you some examples. Most of the time, we do listen. If we are not distracted by our own thoughts, we really do listen to the words that other people are saying. We might be able to repeat back word for word what someone said. Usually when we respond, we take what they said, we take it up to our brain, and we scan through our own context and our own memories of similar experiences. And then we might offer some insight or some advice or some empathy or some examples of our own experiences that are related to what someone else is saying. They are talking about money struggles. We let them know that we understand because of this other time when we were there experiencing that too. Someone else is having, say, challenges with their children. We reach back into our own memory bank and we share with them a time when it was hard for us too. We want them to know that we are not over here judging them, but that we can empathize and relate to what it is that they are saying. But very often, just knowing that other people have been in their situation might make them feel better and not so alone in that moment, but it also might not bring them any bit closer to solution for their problem. Even if we offer them advice of what to do or what to think, it still might not help them to dig deeper into their own thoughts and their own experience so that they can affect a real change in their life or in that situation. They might try a new tactic, but their underlying beliefs are probably not changed at all. It's so easy in our challenges to go back to our habitual way of thinking about our situation, even when we're trying on someone else's advice. We try that new budget app that someone has suggested for us, but we haven't really gotten down to the core of why we are having money problems in the first place. When we really want to help someone understand the problem that they are having and we want to help to affect real change, 
This is how I think of as the goal of what a coach or a life coach would be, whether someone happens to be a money coach or is a relationship coach or whatever type of coach that they are. When they want to use their tools to get down to the core of the problem, they need to know the right questions to ask and to probe deeper. In order to ask the right questions, there is a skill to master. And it is exactly this skill that I am talking about here. Listening to what is not said. Part of understanding how to hone this skill is understanding defensiveness. You know that old saying that defensiveness is the first act of war. And I personally find this to be one of the biggest challenges in communication in a marriage or a partnership. We all know that communication is key in a relationship. And it's such human nature for us to want to defend ourselves from an attack or from a perceived attack. Remember that our brains are wired to protect us so that we can survive. And our brains act like there is no difference between protecting us from a cheetah that is about to jump on us or from the group outcasting us or from our partner acting like they are annoyed with us. We want to protect ourselves. We defend ourselves. And in a couple, when you are defending yourself, you are naturally not communicating with your partner. You become only one instead of a we. And your partner, in your mind, is the one that you are protecting yourself from because you don't want them to think anything negative about you. You don't want to be wrong or blamed or the one who is causing a problem. We all want to be right. We all want to be seen for our good intentions and understood. But it's really hard to communicate in a positive way in that moment that we see ourselves opposite our partner and we feel like we have to protect ourselves. But I don't want to talk about defensiveness in the strain of how you will not be defensive. That's a topic for another podcast. What I want to talk to you about is about you being on the listening end to someone else when they are being defensive. I want you to be able to recognize it. Have your alarm bells go off. Because usually the person who is defending themselves does not recognize that they are becoming defensive. People who have done a lot of work on this will recognize it. But until we have done that work to become more aware, we usually don't see it. We think that we are just explaining our side and our perspective and our view to someone else. As the person who is listening, let's say it's your friend who is talking to you about her marriage, and she is explaining to you about why she is not lazy when she doesn't want to work outside in the yard with her partner after a full day of work. Let's use that as our example. Once she starts 
going on that campaign for herself, explaining why she is not lazy. Your ears are going to perk up as you develop this skill, because here is the secret I am going to give you. We don't defend something unless we are afraid that it is true or that deep down we think that it might be true. What we are not saying is that I am afraid that I might be lazy or that I believe deep down that I should want to work outside in the yard with him. Now, before you call this a bogus example, because maybe this particular example doesn't apply to you, let's look at it. In this scenario, let's just say hubby in this example wants to work outside. He's excited to go work together, doing whatever, cleaning the yard, taking care of the flowers, putting down a brick walkway. And wifey has worked all day and is tired and just doesn't want to work in the yard. But if she is sharing with you that it is a problem and she is defending herself as to why she doesn't want to or can't work outside in the yard, then there is something there. Now, I have explained this concept before by using Brooke Castillo's blue hair example. If someone walks by you and says to you, your blue hair, and you don't have blue hair, it is not something that you would internalize or let bother you because you would just look at them and say, are you right? And wonder why the heck they think that you have blue hair. You wouldn't question yourself or what is wrong with your hair. You would question them. So if hubby is saying that you don't want to work outside because you must be feeling lazy, it's not going to bother you unless you think that there is something there. If you are not feeling lazy at all, and let's just say you wanted to work on an inside project instead that you felt was much more important, and you might look at him and say, lazy? Really? You think that? Nope, not at all. I'm just doing this instead. But if you are feeling tired, and let's say you just want to put your feet up and watch a movie and eat some ice cream and relax after your long day, then when he says the word lazy, it just might hit a bit of a trigger for you. Now, I want you to understand totally in this example that I am not making working in the yard as the good task and resting your body as a bad task. I am not saying that the wife in this example is in fact being lazy. I'm certainly not saying that the husband should or should not be talking to his wife about being lazy. And I'm not condoning any way that they are talking to each other. There is no judgment in any of this. I just want to point out the fact that when she hears the word lazy, her defensiveness will only go up if she senses that there might be some truth to it. Now, she might just be making exactly the right choice for her, and maybe resting is exactly what she needs to do. Or maybe she really wants to be working in the garden with hubby, but she is feeling lazy. I don't know because I'm not either of the people in this example. 
But if lazy doesn't bother her, she might react by totally owning that and saying, yep, lazy is exactly what I'm doing tonight. I am putting my feet up and I am not moving. And she might own it and enjoy it. But only if that doesn't bother her. Only if she is giving the word lazy a good connotation for meaning resting and rejuvenating. But if she is associating the word lazy with something negative and she takes the comment for she should be working in the garden, then it's going to bother her and she will defend herself. And let's fast forward that example to now when your friend is sitting with you and retelling the story and she's explaining to you why she is not lazy. She was just resting and she deserved to rest when her hubby was wrong to use the word lazy. How dare he? This is the point where that skill comes in handy because you, of course, as her friend, you can just listen and empathize and agree. Yes, he is terrible and commiserate with her. You have the right and you get to do that as a friend. But what coaches do when they are coaching would be to ask questions based on what we hear a client not saying. So in this situation, I would be asking, what do you think someone else who wasn't feeling lazy would have done? Do you think you should have wanted to be outside? Why do you think you should have wanted to be outside instead? What do you think about someone else who comes home and wants to rest? Tell me what you think about being lazy. Where did that come from? What did you learn about being lazy when you were little? Now, maybe coaching is not a role that you want right now as a friend. But some of us have friends that we are good enough friends with to know when someone really wants help with something. We all have friends that want commiserating with and someone to just listen to their problems and to agree with them. That always feels helpful in the moment. But you know those moments when you are with a friend and you just know that they are in a problem and they really do want help with it. And this is just a really fun way to get super curious and ask some questions. It's not giving them advice or telling them what to do. And that can get shut down and cause some distance really quickly. No one is really ready to hear advice until they are really ready to hear it. But sometimes asking those questions can be you just being curious. And all you have to do is to get someone on the right path to thinking about their situation in a new way. And I said that I would give you some examples, and here are some other questions that you can use maybe in another situation. I wonder why you are thinking about it in that way. Where do you think you got that idea? If you can word the question very specifically to whatever it is that they said, that's always going to help instead of asking a general question. So you want to reword these to the specific situation that they give you. If someone says, can you believe that they think this about me? Then you can ask, where are you thinking that that is true? Or what is the part of that 
that you are believing it to be a little bit true? Or why are you kind of believing it? Two of my favorite questions to use are asking about the two extremes to help someone to realize that their response is somewhere in the middle. So in this example, you could ask, how would someone who is really lazy respond? What would they do? And then ask, how would someone respond who is never, ever lazy? And then where do you see yourself on that continuum? And you can use those two extremes with any situation at all. And the reason that I love that one is that we are often seeing ourselves either as an extreme on one end or the other, or we see ourselves responding in the way that every single person would respond, which is never true. It helps us to know that there is someone else out there that would be worrying about this situation a hundred times more than us. And it also helps to know that there is someone out there who would not be worried about this at all. We are never one of the extremes, and we can also take a look at the possibility that we don't have to stay where we are on the continuum. We can choose to move towards how we want to be by realizing that there is someone else out there doing exactly that as their natural response. Okay, have fun with this and try to find an occasion this week to ask someone probing question. And you can start by trying to listen to what people leave out in between what they do say. Have a great week. 